1: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Sunday edition of The Best of Fight Back. More of what you want to hear from the week that was. The outcome was not really a surprise, but the margin between for and against did take people back. On Wednesday, Aaron O'Toole was ousted as leader of the federal conservatives by an overwhelming majority of his caucus, 73 to 45. Later that same day, Candace Bergen was named interim leader. But the big question is, who will be the next conservative leader? Suburban Ottawa MP Pierre Poliev, who has been a guest on Fight Back many times, is widely seen as the frontrunner. Others being touted include Leslyn Lewis, a socially conservative Black woman, who came out of nowhere and did really well in the last contest. As for those who say they won't pursue the federal conservative leadership, Premiers Doug Ford and Jason Kenney. But in politics... No does not always mean no. Libby was joined on Thursday to discuss the latest developments by liberal strategist Bob Richardson, senior counsel to national public relations, John Mikatishan, conservative political consultant and president of Bradgate Research Group, and Ashton Arsenault, vice president with Crestview Strategy.
2: You know the people who organized the protest, and a lot of the thousands of people that are down there, and uh, the thousands of Canadians, tens of thousands of Canadians who probably agree with them, mostly say, "Yeah, we've been inconvenienced too." And you know, sort of, you, you know, you, you get some as well. So there is legitimate protest. I will say, I think it's been a, a terrible weekend for my political party, my the the, the Conservative Party of Canada. I don't think, um, I think it's it's stuck between a rock and a hard place on some of those things, and. You know a lot of the, the what came out of this was pretty predictable and you know you've got an mp who's standing and giving an interview in front of a flag that has a swastika painted on it you know it's it's a small one i it's not like he was you know some backdrop he set to set up but you know that was a predictable sort of
3: kind oh of, i missed that wait wait, whoa whoa was it who yeah. was it
2: my his name was michael cooper he's an mp from edmonton and you know he's doing an interview and he's you know he's with the cbc or whatever and he's saying hey you know, there's a lot of people here that are come really good people to, you know, say Trudeau's bad and we don't like the mandates and we don't like the curve of the trucker mandate and, you know, there's a there's a flag behind him that that has you know somebody's hand drawn a, an upside down you know flag and a plastic on it. That kind of stuff is predictable with these kinds of uh, events, sadly. And um, I think a lot of Canadians just looked at it and and then here's the thing: Canadians are really angry. Like there's and public opinion is changing on this, uh, and I'm, I won't get into it too much, but. Public opinion is changing. People are are frustrated with restrictions. People are really mad at people who are unvaccinated. People are mad at people who are vaccinated, the unvaccinated. So people are angry. I get that it's, uh, but, you know, this was not a great weekend for my federal political party, I would say. I think Bob would probably agree.
3: Bob, what's your take on the whole thing? Well, you know,
4: this was supposed to be uh, when it began about concerns related to trucking, and it seems to have evolved into a tantrum. Not a protest, and it's involved, a, you know, a small group of truckers, and I think some of them have legitimate concerns. It's not a concern I share, but their concern is legitimate, and they have a right to protest, and they uh, and they should, and it should be allowed to happen. But this has evolved into a bunch of PPC extremists. Every hard right nut bar from uh, Alberta, and Saskatchewan seems to be in Ottawa. White nationalists garden-variety Trudeau haters, and and uh, Tier 4, uh, I would call them Tier 4 CPC MPs, ably represented by Michael Cooper, which uh, uh, Jason was just saying. So it's a complete mess. They have no message. They have no exit strategy. And this is a tantrum. It's all the people, it's, it's the same people who tantrum every year. And you know what they're tantruming about? They're tantruming Because Justin Trudeau has won three elections in a row. That's really what they're tantruming about, and they don't like him. And that's what's going on there. And on top of that, their conduct has been appalling. We don't need to go through the whole list, tomb of the unknown soldier, urinating on the aboriginal uh, monument, uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, it just goes on. One thing I would uh, bring up, and uh, Libby, I know you work in the Parliamentary Press Gallery, and I know, Jason, you know uh, Parliament Hill well. What struck me is this should never be allowed to happen on Wellington Street again. There are massive trucks right now sitting within 50 feet of the window of the Prime Minister's office in what used to be called the Langevin block. That would never be allowed in London or Washington or Paris or anywhere else. It is a massive security breach, and it should never be allowed to happen again. People should be allowed to protest. But we should never allow somebody to take a street like that over uh, in, in what effectively is the parliamentary precinct. This thing has been unfair to Ottawa. It's over the top. It's a tantrum, and it needs to end.
1: Liberal strategist Bob Richardson, senior counsel to national public relations. John Mcetitian, conservative political consultant and president of Bradgate Research Group. And Ashton Arsenault, vice president with Crestview Strategy. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. The results of an eight-month investigation into a cross-border high-end car theft ring were announced by Toronto Police this past week. These are not just crimes of property. These thefts are becoming increasingly violent. The seven people charged are allegedly behind 28 carjackings. Investigators say the crew used various techniques, including intentionally hitting the vehicles or swarming the victims. Even more unnerving, the perpetrators used handguns, knives, and even tasers. On Wednesday, Libby was joined by Toronto Police Inspector Richard Harris to find out more and what we should do to make sure this doesn't happen to us?
5: These individuals were not operating alone. Um, we are still looking for one more gentleman that's uh, going to be facing some robbery charges as well. Um, but th- this was a sophisticated group of individuals, uh, and somewhat uh, whereby they they managed to, uh, you know, unsuspectingly rob uh, these victims of several high end vehicles and. Um, Fortunately, we were able to uh, to get them back, but I mean that doesn't speak to uh, you know the traumatic incidents that or events that these uh, these victims had to go through.
3: What seems most disturbing here, beyond having your car stolen, is uh, is the violence that was involved. Uh, what can you tell us about that?
5: Yeah, so on occasion they would uh, you know f- use physical force to uh, to remove uh, the victims from the vehicles, but at other on other occasions they. Uh, they used a taser. Um, handguns and knives were used. Um, you know, and that's of great concern, obviously, when uh, when suspects are utilizing weapons and or acting as violently as they were. These weren't just, quote unquote, car thefts. These were actual robberies uh, or these, uh, these victims were subjected to, you know, uh, various levels of violence.
3: Has this all been exacerbated because uh, right now, because of COVID, the supply chains are clogged up. And, and even if you want to get it in the legitimate way and pay full freight, which has gone up, uh, it's, it's not that easy to get a new one of these cars or a new one of any car, frankly.
5: Yeah, well, that's right. That's right. Now, whether or not this is a result of the pandemic, it, uh, it you know, this has been going on for a while. What um, we have seen an in- increase in car thefts, uh, period uh, over the last few years, from 2019 to uh, 21, uh, I believe it was a 20% increase. Um, you know, the, and the motive in this case, like I said, was for, for profit, but there's, there are other uh, trends as well, like sometimes cars are used, as you mentioned, for chopping up uh, and being resold within the GTA, and then also you've got uh, theft of vehicles that are utilized for you know, various other crimes.
3: The Toronto Police Service is is going to be forming a new unit to deal with this.
5: That's right. Well, yes, um, in part. So, uh, the divisional uh, police uh, partners throughout the uh, the city are doing incredible work, and uh, this is just going to be a, a larger scale um, investigative group that's going to supplement uh, the fine uh, officers that we have throughout the city.
3: Uh, and just uh, before we go, you know, beyond this. Uh, operation taurus you know a few weeks ago we heard that regular cars are being stolen more especially uh, since you have uh, keyless starting and and now it's winter and people leave the cars going to warm them up uh, uh can you tell us anything about that
5: yeah so there yeah the warm-up thefts um of course this time of year are, uh one of the uh we actually just experienced one of those recently um and, again, it would fell into the category where the vehicle was used for, you know, a crime. I mean, preventative uh, measures, if you're going to warm your car up, at least keep an eye on it if you could. Um, or, uh, as mentioned uh, previously, you know, block that car in uh, with another vehicle if you can while it's warming up. But I, I guess the best case scenario would be, uh, you know, keep an eye on your vehicle and, you know, be aware of your surroundings at all times if you can and, um, you know, just... Just try and find other methods to ensure that your car doesn't get stolen. Uh, you know, there's the, the lock, the, the steering wheel lock, like the club. Um, invest in some sort of security footage, uh, cameras if you were able to. You know, just these preventative measures may deter, um, you know, would-be thieves and uh, the loss of your vehicle.
1: Toronto Police Inspector Richard Harris. I'm Jane Brown, and this is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. Coming up after the break, the Beijing Olympics. Will they be overshadowed by politics and COVID-19?
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Good isn't good enough. Make way for the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown on Zuma Radio. Welcome
1: back. Another COVID Olympics is underway, but this time in Beijing, there is a huge brew of politics also in the mix. There was a lot of pressure for Western countries to boycott the Games because of human rights abuses against the Uyghurs related to Hong Kong and the former hostage-taking of the two Canadian Michaels. So government representatives settled on a so-called diplomatic boycott. Meantime, athletes have been warned about speaking out against human rights abuses and using their own phones because of surveillance while they are locked down in the Olympic Village. On Thursday, Libby spoke with a panel of experts about the political nature of these Winter Games with Dr. Laura Meisner, Executive Council Member at Western University's International Center for Olympic Studies and Director of Western School of Kinesiology, and Dr. Tim Elcombe, Associate Professor of Kinesiology and Physical Education at Wilfrid Laurier University and Fellow of the Balsillie School of International Affairs. I think it's going to be a unique one.
6: I think there's going to be a lot more attention on the political side than there maybe has uh, in quite a number of years, maybe ever, in terms of the modern media. So on that side, it's maybe going to draw some interest that otherwise wouldn't be there for the Winter Olympics. And on the sporting side, it's hard to say, you know, you know with lockdowns, whether people will be turning in to watch the Olympics, or whether sort of the modern media form means that diverted attentions that they won't watch. So it'd be interesting to see if the political interest sort of ramps up sort of viewership and interest.
3: Dr. Meisner, what do you think?
7: Yeah, I think it's a a difficult question to really answer because we don't know what the reaction will be from the general public in terms of uh, spectatorship. Certainly the Winter Games doesn't draw the same level of viewership that the Summer Games do, so it's hard to have direct comparisons to, say, Tokyo and the Games that were just held, but there's a lot of different things at play. The political situation is, um, you know, really prevalent and people might either take that as an interesting perspective to look at to see how athletes... Uh, Prevail in in the face of these kinds of situations, or they might just turn away and say, forget it, I'm not going to be involved in this because of the, you know, their support and and their position in boycotting the the watching of the games uh, based on the situation.
3: Dr. Alcombe, I mean, it seems like the athletes, I mean, presumably they weren't boycotted, the games weren't boycotted, not to punish the athletes. They seem to be, you know, under all kinds of restrictions. They are locked up. Uh, There are a bunch of COVID cases in the Olympic Village. They've been told not to speak out by the IOC. They've been told, like, don't bring your phones, like, bring a burner phone because uh, there's going to be surveillance. I mean, is does, does that seem right, that the athletes should have to compete under those constraints?
6: Well, it's part of the reality, I think, when, you know, China was awarded these Olympic Games is that some of these restrictions were likely going to be in place whether there was a pandemic or not. I think the pandemic has sort of amplified some of those restrictions. You know, they've got the closed-loop system in place where, effectively, athletes are, are very restricted in terms of their movements and and, and accessibility. Um, but it'd be interesting to get an athlete's perspective from the standpoint that, you know, a lot of them, you know, in competition, you know, they are very focused and locked down and and in some ways want to avoid some of these restrictions anyways. And so some athletes might actually find the fact that that all these sort of extra, I mean, in some ways there's extra attention and extra pressures placed on them, but in some ways it might almost be easier for them to just focus on their event. So I think it's going to be, again, it's, it's one of those unknowns and interesting mix that these winter games seem to have brought about, unlike any other.
3: Uh, uh, Laura Meisner, uh, do you agree? Yeah, I do think it's
7: a it's an interesting situation and a challenge I think for athletes in terms of sort of the bubble experience is that they're not getting to experience the you know, the bigger parts of what games are about. Absolutely it will may allow them to focus on the event and, and really have um, you know, a really targeted effort towards that. But part of the Games experience and part of the draw for the Olympic Games is the, you know, the multi-sport environment, getting to go and see other athletes from around the world in different events, interacting with, uh, you know, people from different cultures around the world, being part of the broader environment in where the event is being hosted. And so really they're missing out on that entire experience. So, you know, I think we're going to see some really great, Sport and some excellent performances, but, you know, the broader part of being part of these games is really lost on this particular
1: event. Dr. Laura Meisner at Western University and Dr. Tim Elcombe at Wilfrid Laurier University. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. We're continuing to pay record high gas prices in the GTA, with the price per liter of regular now more than $1.55. According to a survey from the CAA, close to half of drivers are very worried about this escalating cost. What's behind the increase and can we expect it to last? Libby asked these questions of Teresa DeFelice, Assistant Vice President, Government and Community Relations for CAA South Central Ontario, and Roger McKnight, Chief Petroleum Analyst with NPRO International.
8: Well, there's a certain uh, there's uncertainty really when the uh, on the supply of crude side, you got crude uh, the most important segment of uh, of input in the in the costing of gasoline uh, heading towards ninety dollars a barrel. Uh, the the concern I, I see here is that uh, OPEC and OPEC plus have said they're going to increase uh, uh, production by 400,000 barrels a day, and that was supposed to start in August. Well, they fell short in December, and I, I have very little confidence that they can, uh, maintain that promise, uh, to increase supply. So, uh, when you look at the supply of, uh, crude, uh, gasoline, and diesel, uh, the, the, uh, the inventory levels are like, they're down 9% versus the five-year average. Yet when you look at demand, the other side of the teeter-totter, uh, generally speaking, uh, the demand for gas uh, distillates and jet fuel is up. So, but this time of year, uh, gasoline prices are more driven by uh, the diesel price because this is the heating oil heating oil season, the heating season. So, when you look at that, you got the inventories of uh, distillates uh, down sixteen percent, but you get demand up fifteen to percent. Top it all off, we got refinery runs uh, slowing down. Uh, not uh, uh, this is this is quite normal at this time of year because they go into refinery maintenance uh, season to get ready for the summer driving period, and on top of that, we have uh, uh, the the situation in Russia versus Ukraine, which could really uh, mess things up in so far as uh, supply is concerned. Generally speaking, so it's, it's a pretty bleak picture. I don't know what the CIA uh, have to uh, comment on that. So let's well, let,
3: let's let's ask the CIA uh, how is this affecting drivers, as far as you know, Teresa? Uh, Well, um, you know, based on surveys that we've done uh, across
9: Canada, actually, you know, people are very concerned about the the price of gas. Um, And, you know, for the most part, it it is impacting the kilometres people drive. Um, And so, you know, our focus is is how, you know, what can you do to get better fuel economy? Uh, And, you know, that that really is... um, Something that you can personally do to just try and conserve as much fuel as possible in, in the tips that we provide. You know, people are noticing the price of gas because you know they're, they're trying to get out more. You know, we've got things opening up again. Uh, most people, you know, probably are using their car to get to and from work at this point. Uh, you know, take care of family, maybe the odd friend. You know, see that or do grocery shopping. So. There's not a lot of, I would say, discretionary uh, vehicle use at this time for the most part. Uh, I agree. And so, you know, it, it, people are starting to get a little bit of that sticker shock, uh, shock when they're
3: heading to the pump. To wrap things up more or less, what, what are you telling consumers?
9: You know, there, we have tools like the CAA gas price monitor that people can, you know, take a look and, and see what gas prices are uh, in their communities, uh, find the cheapest gas. You know, that's an option. Um, you know, definitely if you're feeling like you can't fill up your tank because you're, you're hoping for a, a price drop, you know, don't, don't let your vehicle get to empty. So, you know, put some gas in your car and, and take a look at some of the tips that are available on the CA website that, uh, can help you just make small changes and hopefully impact a, a little bit, uh, so that, um, while we're getting through this, uh, we're, we're each doing our part.
3: Okay. Roger McKnight, last word to you.
8: Uh, the gas prices are a necessary evil. Uh, we're joined at the hip at, at the pump until the, the electric vehicle is a, an, an affordable and uh, accessible alternative. We are going to be uh, the gasoline and diesel. where the fossil fuel people and look out for prices this uh, in the next couple of months. It's really going to be astronomically high. You think they're record high now? Well, look out.
1: Roger McKnight, Chief Petroleum Analyst with NPRO International, and Teresa DeFelice, Assistant Vice President, Government and Community Relations for CAA South Central Ontario. I'm Jane Brown, and you're listening to the best of Fight Back. Coming up, what you had to say about the week that was and the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Zoomer Radio, pulling no punches with the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown.
1: Fight Back with Libby Zneimer has the most informed guests on the week's hot topics. And we also rely on you for your valued opinions. Here are some of this week's best calls. James in Toronto phoned about the future of the federal Conservative Party.
6: In 2017, I believe Andrew Scheer narrow, very narrowly defeated uh, Maxine Bernier for the nomination. And now... Maxine Bernier is often described of as fringe or extreme. But I guess my question is, have things changed that much in, in the last five years? Or is that the, really the way the Conservative Party is? Like 50% of them could go fringe or extreme and be described as such. Um, and I'm wondering, because of that Maxine Bernier almost became the leader.
1: Ron Inguelf also called about the conservatives after Aaron O'Toole lost his job as leader.
10: Initially, when the last convention, I never really was a big Andrew Shear fan. Andrew Shear never really had the great support. Aaron O'Toole, I was more in favor of Peter o, uh, McKay getting in there. But having said that, in the last election, a lot of the diehard conservatives were after O'Toole because he said, "Wow, look at this—he's moving to the left." Well. I don't care whether it's conservatives or Canada or Republicans in the U.S. That's the way the public young people are leaning They're, You know, climate change isn't fake or any of this stuff. If uh, Aaron Toole made the right decision to move slightly to the left with some other decisions um, in order, he recognized the way the public mood was. And if these old time conservatives are going to stick by their ways, you know, there'll never be another conservative uh, government in Canada.
1: Jan in Guelph phoned with an idea to get the protesters in Ottawa to go home.
8: I, take me back to when I lived in England. I, we came here in 1963, and they had protests in London. And you know what they did to get rid of the protesters? They got fire trucks, surrounded them, and they counted to 10 and said, if you don't move, you'll get wet. And they did hose them, and they got drenched, and they moved, and they were threatened with that—that that if they did that anywhere else, that's what would happen to them.
0: And now, Fight Backs Knockout Call of the Week. There were a lot of great calls this week,
1: but the winner of the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week is Kathy in Niagara, who also phoned about what's happening in Ottawa.
10: I'm so disappointed with Canadians. I never thought I'd see the day when Canadians would act like a bunch of stupid Americans protesting in Ottawa like they are. I mean, it's one thing to protest, but they're being real, r- ridiculous. They, they, they have all these different reasons why they're protesting. It they started out one thing, and now it's 12 other things. And O'Toole, I think, is an idiot going up there and taking their
1: side. What is wrong with him? Doesn't he believe in law and order? That's not right. I wouldn't vote for him if it's the last guy on earth. nine six three six. I'm Jane Brown. Join us again next weekend when we'll round up the best of fight back.
0: The best of fight back is produced by Jane Brown, Justin Eacock, and Zeev Hadi with technical production by Kelly Robotham, executive producer Moses Nimer.